Now we have a, a reading from uh, the New Testament in preparation for uh, Jason preaching to us after the next song. The reading is in Philippians, it's uh, chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. We may be more familiar with the earlier part of this chapter where we, the, the, he, uh, the author, we think the Apostle Paul, uh, is telling us about the descent uh, of Christ to this earth, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, what he gave up. But then Paul goes on to, uh, to say, therefore. So there's a sense in which the, sec the second half of the chapter is mirroring the first half. And he says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We're thinking of that passage together. We're actually just thinking about two and a bit verses. Verses 14, 15 and the first line of verse 16. We're not going to look at the, the whole thing because we're in this series that we talked about that David reminded us of earlier. And I wonder if you've ever been in a dark place, a really dark place. And I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm sure we've all been in dark places at different stages of our lives. I'm just talking physically. I wonder if you've ever been somewhere where you just literally cannot see when your eyes are open. Uh, it's very strange if you've ever experienced it. Uh, it's a bit disconcerting. We had it once. We've got some friends this morning from Norfolk. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see you. And when we lived in Norfolk, there's this strange thing in Norfolk. There's villages without streetlights. Isn't that right? There's villages without streetlights. We went to see some friends. We went around for a meal. And then when we left, we opened the front door and it was pitch black. There was nothing. I mean, we just couldn't see anything. And I thought, how am I going to find the car? And we sort of stumbled out like you do. And we very slowly, I mean, our eyes had just been in the light. And then we turned and it was dark. And we sort of stumbled around. We're trying to feel, you know, they've been having some renovations done. There was piles of bricks in the garden and stuff. And I'm thinking, I don't want to fall over them. And you're just sort of slowly but tentatively walking around trying to find gateposts or anything, feel things under your feet, gives you a little bit of an insight of what it's like to be blind, really. But that sort of deep darkness, I wonder if you've ever been in one of those situations. Our, our eyes eventually sort of adjusted and we, and we did find the car. And you know, As soon as we opened it, the light shone and it was like uh, a big light shining, shining out from somewhere and it was, it was fantastic. But it was really strange. Why do I start like that this morning? <laughs> you may be wondering. Well, because the way God shines in this dark world in which we live is through his people, isn't it? It's through us. It's a dark world in which we live. 
Not physically, sometimes physically at the middle of the night, but spiritually. It is a dark world in which we live and God shines through his people. What did Jesus say in John chapter 8 verse 12? I am the light of the world. What did he say in Matthew 5.14? He said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Jesus' light shines through those who know him, who love him, and who follow him. And in our reading today, Paul says, shine like stars in the sky. I love this phrase. <laughs> I, I just get it. I don't know whether it's because I've been camping and I've seen the night stars or you've ever been out in the middle of nowhere where there isn't much light and you look up and it's a clear night and you can see so many stars in the sky so many Paul says shine like stars in the sky if you've got the old um, NIV it says stars in the universe there's that idea isn't there that, that we, we shine out we're finishing this mini series that we've done these last four weeks today been thinking about different things over the last 18 months. They've been tough, haven't they? They've been challenging times these last 18 months. We've been thinking about some of the things that we've been through. We've asked questions. Well, what have I learned? Have we learned the secret of contentment? John has, I think. <laughs> Certainly he was able to talk about it and help us to understand it from Philippians chapter 4. How helpful was that? What have we been through? What have I learned? What have we learned? We were thinking last week about deepening those main practices of those people who follow Jesus. Learning from his word more. Loving more. Valuing worship more. That's what we're thinking about. And this time has not been wasted this last 18 months or so. I hope you don't feel like that, that life's just sort of been on hold. God is still working his purposes out. That's what he does through the mess of the world. If we wait for it to be right before we do anything, we'll be waiting forever, won't we? We don't know what's around the corner. Well, I do. There's a massive queue waiting to get in that petrol station up on <laughs> Toton Lane. Where's all that come from? I mean, people are saying, we've got loads of fuel. <laughs> and yet everyone's like, oh, no, we better go. But we don't know what's around the corner. God is still working his purposes out. And for us, it's good to take stock, isn't it? It's good just to stop for a moment, to dwell on what we've been through. What have we learned over this last 18 months? What have we been thinking about what is it that we can take ahead as we look ahead as we think about the future and you know this passage is is a command passage it's a purpose passage if you like it gives us a, a purpose it helps us to look ahead it tells us what we need to do and what we need to not do and what the results of that will be and Paul takes this idea of Jesus, the Jesus being the light of the world, Jesus saying to his disciples, you are the light of the world, and he says, look, this is how you shine like stars in the universe. This is how you are the light of the world. This is how whenever you go about your daily lives, wherever you are, in the different situations that you find yourselves, this is how that you shine for Jesus. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? That's what we want to do. So, I like these ideas of stars, um, I guess most people, I've never come across anybody who says, stars, you know, I'm not bothered. Most people are like, you know, you look in the night sky, and you just, there's a wonder, isn't there? The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. We've had it already this morning. There's a wonder at the stars, at the universe. When you think of the size of our sun, I've done a PowerPoint before, and our sun, in comparison to some of the other suns that they know about, was, was, wasn't even a pinprick on the page in comparison to the size of it. This huge one up here, and ours was down here. It's incredible, isn't it? 
God is massive. That's the thing that I think when I look up into the night sky. God is massive. And I thought, well, why, why does a star shine? Why? Now, some of you will know this. Some of you will have picked this up maybe when you was at school. Um, some of you maybe even teach it in school. But there's this website that I looked at, so it must be true. Um, I looked at it and just had a quick look and just put this question in. How does a star shine or why does a star shine? And this is what it says. The simple answer is that deep inside the core of the sun, enough protons can collide with each other with enough speed. Sorry, Doreen. Enough protons can collide with each other. There's the speed going on with these protons and they, and they gather together. And then they, they stick together to form a helium nucleus. And I'm sure you all know what that is. And they generate a tremendous amount of energy at the same time. So these things are going, these reactions are happening all the time, which is meaning that the star then shines. This process is called nuclear fusion. And as I said, I'm sure you read about it at school or some of you have even taught it. Every second, every second, a star like our sun converts four million tons of its material into heat and light through the process of nuclear fusion. That's a huge thing, isn't it? This great big ball of energy Nuclear fusion enables the stars to shine. Tremendous amounts of energy given off. If you haven't quite got that and you're not really interested, it really doesn't matter. The important thing is this. Something inside is happening for it to shine outwardly. That's what's happening. Something inside is going on so that this star shines outwardly for miles and miles and miles. Remember being told at school that some of the stars that you see don't even exist anymore? I still can't get my head around that. They've already burnt out, but the light of them is still travelling through space, so we still see it. It's incredible, isn't it? Something inside is having an effect outwardly, and that is the same with us. That's how we shine like stars. It's not that we need a, a nuclear reaction to happen within us, thankfully. It's not nuclear fusion. It's spiritual fusion. There's a difference, isn't there? Those who humble themselves before God, who give themselves over to him, who recognize that they're sinful people without hope in a needy world and they need him and they humble themselves before him and they repent of their sin and they turn away from it and say, now I'm going to live for you, Lord, because you love me and you have given your grace to me. Then he fills them with his spirit and he shines through them. So where do we go from here? We shine like stars. That's what we need to do. But we need to know there are things that will stop us from shining. That's what Paul talks about here in this passage. He says, as you shine like, stein, shine like stars in the universe, there are things that will help us to shine and there are things that stop us from shining. How does God shine through us? Well, Paul says, if you pick this up, be blameless and pure without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So the world is warped and crooked. And the way to shine is to be blameless and pure. How do we do that? Don't turn off. Don't think that's impossible. I can't do that. It's what God does in us, remember, through us. He gives us two examples of what we need to do and not do. The first one is this, the beginning of verse 16. He says, hold firmly to the word of life. Now that's another great phrase, isn't it? You know, you could have said, shine, or be a light. 
But he didn't. He said, shine like stars. He could have said, hold firmly to the word. But he didn't. He said, hold firmly to the word of life. You see, he, he gets it, doesn't he, Paul? He gets it. It's not just a thing to do. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, like an experience to be had. It's a, it's a get lost in wonder and love and praise at how good God is. It's the word of life. What a great title that is. Not something mechanical or dead or draining or just a list of things that we have to do. It's the word of life. It's the word that gives life. That happened, David's already mentioned it, hasn't he? Genesis chapter 1. What did God say? Let there be light. What happened? There was light. God said, let there be living creatures. There were living creatures. God's word gives light. It's the word of God that populated the earth. We hold firmly to that word that gives life. It can and will speak into many different situations. The different situations that we find ourselves in. So we're not left on our own. It's a living word. We were thinking about that last week. And we need to hold it firmly. Grasp it. And you know, we won't do that if we think it's outdated. We won't do that if we think it's distant. We won't do that if we think it's irrelevant. It isn't. It's the word of life. It's God's word to us. So that's the positive. We hold on to something. We hold on to the word of life. We understand it. We, we get to know it. I know we can't fully understand all of it every one time. It's a big book. But we, we grasp it, don't we? God leads us to parts. We read through it. And we ask God to help us to understand it and see. We come to places like this where we hear it expounded. We hold on to the word of life. That's a positive thing. But also, there's something we need to avoid. Or two things we need to avoid. Paul says, and this is as, as practical as it gets from the scriptures. I think this is one of the most practical verses in the whole of the scriptures. So easy to understand, so difficult to do. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. There you go. <laughs> easy, isn't it? Easy to understand very hard to do because I've been preparing this this week you will not believe the amount of times I've wanted to grumble and moan now, certainly at people in queuing for petrol stations and all these different things it's just life isn't it I mean we want to grumble we want to moan the world's a mess of course it is we've been through 18 months of I don't know what and it's been hard and we want to we want to have a good moan and we want to have a good grumble we don't have to think about it for very long to realize that these things have nothing to do with purity they have nothing to do with blamelessness and they have nothing to do with shining out like stars. These things stop the spiritual fusion, the reaction inside of us. They stop us shining out. Two of the strongest things that will stop purity and blamelessness and shining. They're powerful tools that will warp rather than straighten and that will darken rather than shine. So Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Because those things stop you being pure. So purity, in this sense, is as much about what you don't do as about what you do do. Why does he put it like this? Why does he put this here, do you think? David's helped us to see the first part of this chapter is that glorious amazing exposition of what Christ did and how he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then he says, 
You know, you need to work these things out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. I mean, it's, it's right down to earth, isn't it? We've been taken up to the heavens. We've seen the glory of the greatest person that's ever lived and how amazing he is, how other people-centered he was, how he was so consumed with doing the will of God. And then we're brought down with a thud almost, aren't we? Do everything without complaining or arguing, without grumbling or arguing. Because it stops us being pure. You know, there's a problem in the, in the Philippian church. You can see it in chapter 4 and verse 2 if you want to look at it. Paul says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Quite clearly, these people have fallen out. These are Christian people that have worked by his side, contended for him in the gospel, he tells us, but they've fallen out. And it's breaking his heart. And he's saying, I plead with you. And he pleads with other people to help them to come to the same mind, to agree with each other. Because he knows that the brightness of the church is being affected. He wants them to be shining like stars in the universe. And he's maybe got them in his mind when he's saying, don't grumble or argue against, uh, don't do everything without complaining or arguing, grumbling or arguing. Maybe they're in his mind. He's trying to tell them that. You know, if you look through Philippians, you can pull out these little bits. Or you can see he's, he's really trying to get to the crux of this matter. He does it earlier in chapter 2. He says, um, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Maybe they're in his mind. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Maybe they're in his mind. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Maybe he's got them in his mind. In relationships with one another, have the same attitude of mind that Jesus Christ had. Maybe he's got them in his mind. There's a problem in the Philippians church. You know, this is a letter of joy. <laughs> 16 times in one way or another it's referred to. Paul is, is, is thrilled when he thinks about Philippi. When he thinks about, you know, he prays for them and he says, you know, you're in my heart, guys. You're in my heart. And I love it when I think about you, but you've got a problem because there's people that are, that are grumbling and are arguing. So in the first instance, he's saying, you've, you've got to get over this. That's so important. You know, the devil will seek to destroy. But if he can't destroy, he'll just seek to dampen the light of the church. I don't know about you, I was attracted to the faith by, by Christians who shone. I guess you were as well. You wear it in testimonies quite a lot, don't you? So, well, you know, I saw this group of people and there was just something different about them. In a good way, obviously. There was just something different about them. There's a, there's a purity. There was, you know, a blamelessness. I mean, you're not saying perfection, but, you know, there's this, they're living for the right things. They're doing the right thing and, and, and that spiritual fusion is happening and God is, is shining out through them. And you get to see them over time in different places in their lives when things are easy and when things are hard and you think they've got something I haven't got they shone out and I guess it was the same for you you saw people in this crooked world that shone out you know Paul's not talking about a, a fake pious removal from the world as though we're above it he's not talking about that now, that never really shone anywhere or did anyone any good he's talking about purity in the midst of crookedness not judgmentalism or arrogance or superiority, but a desire to honour God in a fallen world. Do what's right, even when everybody else around you seems to be doing what's wrong. 
So if one of the ways we shine is by not grumbling or arguing, we, we need to think, don't we, about what is it that would make us grumble and argue. We want to be seen as right, maybe. Somebody's upset us, annoyed us, frustrated us, and we, we want to put our side across. Those things should never become more important than our own personal holiness, should they? Than our own purity, if we're to shine like stars. Something deep inside, that spiritual reaction that needs to go on. As we give ourselves to the Lord, a reaction is happening. We're being transformed and we shine. And you know what? This can happen even in the most difficult situations. It's not that life has to be good. It's not that everything has to be going on right in our lives. That, that can be nice. That's great. I mean, that's what we want, isn't it? Of course. But it's not real all the time. We go through seasons, don't we? We go through times that are, that are hard, that are challenging, that are tough. And that can be sometimes when we shine the brightest. <clears throat> if we seek to honour God in the most difficult situations that we face, if we keep that constant love for him and desire to want to please him and still want to work towards purity and blamelessness, knowing that this world is crooked and warped, it can be at those times when we shine the brightest. And we won't feel like it. We won't walk around thinking like, well, you know, everything's wrong and everything's falling apart, but I'm shining. We don't feel like we're shining at all, often. But we can be. Others can see it in us. We can trust God even in the most difficult situation. Why does Paul say, do everything without complaining or arguing? Well, firstly, I think it's because that's how we lose our shine. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to grumble. I mean, the world's in a mess. If you want something to grumble about, just get your phone out and look at a news app. Or, or go for a walk. I mean, turn the telly on. I mean, it's not, there's, it, we're not short of things to grumble about, are we? We're really not. I mean, we can grumble about everything. Nobody sees anything from my perspective, my point of view, so they're all wrong. Why do they, why they do this like this? Why do they do like that? Why do they do the COVID testing like that? Why do they do the vaccines like this? Why can't you do this? Why can't you just walk into that? We can grumble about anything. It's really not hard. But in a crooked and warps generation, when we don't grumble, then we shine. <coughs> but secondly, I think, Paul really is talking about what's happening when life is tough here, when it's biting. You odia and syndicate, there's this problem. How do we not grumble and moan in that situation when things aren't right? When we're tired, when everything seems to come at once, when we're distracted, when we're too busy, when we've got big problems that actually we don't feel like we can face. We can't take it anymore. We do go through such times, don't we? And you know, sometimes, often, through no fault of our own. And sometimes our own sinfulness can get us into difficulties and, and struggles, of course. But sometimes just the fact that we're in a sinful world, we feel the effects of these things. Other people let us down. Other people... A, a, a sinning and it's tough this crooked and warped generation you know that's a quote from Deuteronomy 32 and verse 5 in the Old Testament which is Moses' song 
And he's thinking back to how the people have groaned and grumbled as they've gone through the wilderness. That big example, isn't it, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, God has taken them out of slavery, they're moving towards the promised land, they've got this land before them, they can see it almost. And they're grumbling about what they haven't got, thinking about what they haven't got. And of course the challenge for us as Christian people, New Testament Christian people who know what's happened in the past, who know what Jesus has done for us, is we must do better. We can't be like that generation of Israelites who moaned and grumbled because we understand more. We know what God has done for us. When the opportunity arises, we need to make sure that we take the right route, go down the right direction. Shining, not complaining. And you know, it's not a personality trait. It's not like, oh, well, you know, they shine because that's what they're like. It's a spiritual exuberance in the difficulties. It's as easy as this, really. We have to decide not to moan. That's probably one of the hardest things you've ever read from this pulpit. <laughs> we have to decide not to moan. That's impossible, isn't it? And yet with God's strength, that's exactly what we can do. That's how we can become blameless. That's how we can become pure. And that's how we can shine in this dark world. Where do we go from here? The world is in a mess because of COVID, but more because of sin. Sin's the real problem, isn't it? But we go forward in God's strength, don't we? Seeking to shine. That we may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the universe. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That God can shine through us. Everything doesn't have to be right. But our relationship with him does. That's the thing that really matters. We can turn to him anywhere because of who he is. You think about how brightly Jesus shone and nobody even realized it. <laughs> that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But there was a light turned on. You could put it like this, I guess, on the day of the crucifixion Jesus started to shine and it's a light that has grown brighter and brighter and brighter through the ages and has never been extinguished John says the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it can't comprehend it but it's a light that will never be extinguished because it's God's light it's more powerful than nuclear fusion it is because it can take sinful people and change them into little lights that shine for God and for his glory. And that's where we need to be going. And that's what we need to be doing as his people. Jesus shined because he completely obeyed his father. Even though it took him through death. He completely put himself in God's hands. Where do we go from here? We seek to shine for Jesus. Through not complaining. Not arguing. It's very simple what we're supposed to do. It's very hard to do it, as I've already said. But this is how we do it. Not complaining, not arguing, holding on to that word of life and seeking to be pure and blameless in a dark world.